1: Welcome back to the Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. And today's edition of the show, we are on the tranquil sands of Santilalia. We've had a few little location changes already this morning. We're going to meet in the square by the Royalty Cafe and the fountains. But actually, Santilaria is a hub. And a a buzzing hive of activity on a Tuesday morning, as we've just discovered, trying to find somewhere to record today's episode of the Reset Rebel. And that's a good sign, really, isn't it, after the recent months that we've had, that there's just so much going on here. There's a lot of cleaning people, there's a lot of dog walkers, um, there's a lot of activity in terms of sort of cleaning this um, beautiful town up, which always makes me very happy seeing as I live here to see there's so much work going into making it a beautiful space for us all to reside. So I'm feeling quite lucky on that front. But when you come to record a radio show, it's a slightly different story. Um, But today's guest is someone I've been trying to to get my hands on uh, for a little bit of time now. She's quite elusive. She's quite difficult to capture. But I have got her bottom on the sand firmly next to mine. Um, And we're going to have a chat today about the food um, story of Ibiza and the fact that, yeah, there's kind of... um there's kind of a lot of work to do, really, to to get things back to um, the kind of historical nature, I, I guess, of how times were in years gone by. So I'm here with the co-director of Abitha Produce, and that is Gabrielle Gambina. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Joe. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming. And um, yeah, like I said, we have been on a little walking tour of town this morning, trying to find a good spot. But this feels like a, a lovely place. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful Clear, calm day. The sea looks perfect for paddleboarding. Actually, it's very flat and tranquil. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, I think we're very lucky to live on this island, um, and this is why. Since since I first moved here about four years ago, um, I wanted to to do something to you know embellish and enhance and, and give back to this beautiful space. Well, where are you from originally? I'm from the island of Malta, so in a way, it, we have a similar similar setting, um, history-wise, also similar with the Phoenicians and all that so um, I feel very much at home here.
1: The Phoenicians and all that (laughs) that was a wonderfully succinct (laughs) synopsis of the history gone by. (laughs) I quite enjoyed it
0: yeah I think what what I what I love most about about Ibiza um, when I compare it to home is um, the vast green spaces Um, there's so much um, beauty and there's so much we can do to, uh, you know, to enhance and and basically cultivate land. Which uh, if we if we don't if we don't cultivate, as we as we can see when we're in the countryside in the campo, um, the pine forest uh, tends to take over, and and that's obviously a big hazard for, for fires. Um, and this is this is how kind of with the BISA preservation's um, objective of preserving the landscape of the island. Um, This is where we came to the point where we realized that we needed to cultivate more of the land in order to really preserve it going forward. Um, So we we carried out a study uh, a few years ago to understand the differences between demand and supply of uh, local product, of of fresh produce on the island. And what we found out, I mean, there there were various bottlenecks But I think predominantly is the fact that there is Um,
1: room for expansion in terms of existing farms. Can we just backtrack a little bit before we kind of launch into that? Because I feel like, you know, Ibiza for me feels like the kind of place where, you know, you would expect with the lush landscape you've just been describing for there to be, you know, a lot of activity in terms of kind of, you know, farming and harvesting. The unbelievable abundance that I see every time I drive through the campo, all I can see is oranges and lemons and figs and almonds and carob and you know the list goes on but I I was reading the other day and this is kind of the reason I wanted to have this chat to you is that you know I found out there was only two percent of the products that are actually being made here or the the stuff that we're eating more importantly is actually coming um you know zero kilometers and is actually coming from the island we've got a wonderful sound of a a man cleaning the roads behind me you know i kind of wanted to to have a chat to you about that because i I think you know not only was i surprised but everyone i've ever had that conversation to just I, I, i find that unbelievable
0: yeah uh, I was shocked when I first heard it um, until I spoke to Helena norberg who's a big localist um around the world you know doing uh, campaigns on on how we should consume local um, and it's actually um, symptomatic of of the world that we live in in terms of global trade and the idea is that in terms of <laughs> fortifying an economy, you need to have um a certain level of global trade and this is done by imports through imports and exports and this is why uh, for most countries you'll find that um, the consumption of local produce ranges from two to five percent
1: on average Um, that seems very low what why i don't understand that figure at all
0: (laughs) because the more we consume in terms of imports and the more we export then it looks better for our trade our balance of payments um,
1: and but this that's is basically outrageous. Absolutely <laughs> outrageous and disgusting and horrifying. Let's acknowledge that, please. Yeah, for sure, for sure. This is global economics, this is capitalism.
0: Ha- this, is, this is the world that we've come to accept. And until we, we get involved, we get into grassroots and see exactly what's happening um, and make a change for ourselves, each one of us can make a change. Each one of us can um, decide to consume local and and, you know, help local trade as opposed to global trade. I think that's that's what we need to think about. In fact our, our motto is think global or dream global but eat local. Mm.
1: Uh, but I think that that is a beautiful phraseology but shouldn't it be dream local you know <laughs> go go away global. I mean ultimately you know that feels like Yeah, the dream is to be eating the things that don't have to come from elsewhere. And they come, you know, in plastic packaging and they're infiltrated and infused with outside factors that we can't control. And surely the one beautiful dream that we have here is to eat things that we know where they come from. We know what, you know, touch them before we ate them. You know, what went into that soil, what kind of water, what kind of pesticides. These are, you know, all intrinsic parts of, you know, how we're going to be able to control our reaction in our bodies to those kinds of substances, and you know, that's where illness and disease and cancer and you know, all of these things are coming from. And I think when things are imported, we have no idea. You know, no one goes into Mercadona and goes, "Oh, could you tell me how those vegetables are grown?" I mean, that's just not how it is for sure. And the other thing is, it's, I mean,
0: it's a, it's a, I think, very natural thing when you are eating something that's just been picked from the ground; it's full of nutrients. The nutrients start dying off as time passes, so imagine if you're, I don't know, consuming um, an avocado that comes in from Peru. <laughs> Can you imagine, you know, when when was that picked? How long was it in refrigeration? Um, what packaging it came in? So all of that obviously impacts on the nutrients. So really before, <laughs> when, you, when you are consuming something like that, you need to think, what exactly am I getting from this particular fruit or vegetable? you know, what nutrients am I receiving? Because really, you can fool yourself by saying, oh, well, I'm eating salad, but if it hasn't been grown locally, you're probably getting, getting zero nutrients from that from that vegetable or fruit. So it's so important to to reconnect, reconnect with Mother Earth, reconnect with, with farmers. You know, it, it's beautiful. I mean, we have created a, a map where you can actually find all the local organic farms that you can contact, and you can visit, and you can pick your own. So I think what we've learned, especially recently with the whole um, focus on our immune system and how it needs to be strong to, to fight off any external um, <laughs> uh, enemies, shall we say, um, it's it's about what we put into our bodies. Our bodies are temple, right? And then going back to your point about why, uh, why the 2%, being in the Balearics, we are we are insular. We are on an island um, in terms of the inputs to for, for farming. Um, unfortunately, the subsidies from local government are very low, and therefore we cannot compete with the prices of uh, mainland produce. So most of the time, uh, a distributor or a restaurant that needs to, to choose between the cost of a lettuce for example that comes in from mainland Spain versus a lettuce produced locally, um, as a business person they're going to go for the cheapest and the cheapest tends to be what comes from abroad because locally having smaller surface areas to work with and higher input costs means that their output cost has to be of a certain level in order to be able to make it um, economically feasible for the farmer.
1: Now, something we are personally very excited about here on The Reset Rebel, aside from this amazing interview, is our new Patreon account. Um, After making this show for 80 episodes over two years, we kind of really feel that we want to expand the work that we do to give back to those suffering from anxiety and depression on this podcast. And we can only do it with your help and the work we are doing Giving back free retreat spaces on the island and offering treatment to people who really need it but maybe can't afford it brings us so much joy. And it really needs you to get on board and help us through this membership program. To join and contribute, there are three tiers with lots of extra exclusive Ibiza content that you can enjoy depending on the tier that you choose. But at the very least, for as little as five euros a month you can help us just keep making this show and we would be so very very grateful to sign up pop over to patreon.com slash the reset rebel that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the reset rebel now on with the show thank you so much for listening Okay, so basically what it comes down to, like everything, is money and, you know, the fact that people are, well, A, we're quite lazy. You know, if you've got a hangover, you get up on a Saturday morning, you're going to go down and do your food shopping, you're not going to ring up the local organic farm and find out what they've got in this week because they haven't probably got, well, 80% of what would be in your food shop if you were just going to do the normal weekly affair. But, you know, at the end of the day, right now, in this moment in time, no one's really got any money here in Ibiza. I mean, of course, you know, the rich will stay rich, but there's a lot of people here who are struggling. And I'm going to be honest, I I think one of of the primary reasons why I think, oh, I don't think I'm going to go to that organic shop and buy all my fruit and veg, because it's going to be, you know, probably twice the price, if I'm really honest, of what it would be if I went to a local convenience store um, you know, I don't want to name any of those horrible names. I don't want to promote them on this podcast. But I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I just haven't got time or the funds to go and just you know do a massive organic, beautiful, farm-grown, zero-kilometer food shop. Sorry, I'm not a millionaire, so I think that is you know particularly now, currently at this moment in time, you know we know that there's a lot of people here who are at the food bank like you know every week, and I think you know the, the financial factor comes into that quite heavily for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I totally hear you. Um, I think it's a ma- it's two things. One is a matter of discipline in terms of, because you mentioned the laziness, but it's a matter of discipline in saying, okay, once a week I'm going to visit this farm or this market. Uh, we're very lucky that in the last few months now, a uh, local farmer's market has started in San Antonio uh, weekly, and there's over 13 producers there. And you have a range of organic and non-organic um Product now the, the reality. I just want to touch on that organic bit. Um, the island, when it comes to choosing between uh, whether it's uh, an organic fruit versus an non-organic fruit that's grown locally, um, and if it's a cost thing, um, I would always say go with with the local. Um, because anyway in Ibiza we don't have these large surface areas that are sprayed with lots of poison and chemicals Um, the reality is if you you dig a bit deeper why the conventional farming should we say is is non-organic or non-certified is because um, probably the the compost itself or um, some kind of input is not totally uh, organic but in terms of the general picture i would say by local
1: now uh, can i ask you sorry yeah. because you've got the knowledge and i don't i've got so many questions for you it's quite endless but I'm, what is the difference in your um you know in your phraseology between organic and non-organic for a lot of people out there they see that stuff in the supermarket it's twice the price they don't you know what what, what is that what is the difference okay so basically in terms of Uh, mass-producing
0: you uh, you need to obviously keep pests away and and all of that so what happens is that you're using um, a fair bit of chemical whether it's in what we call the abono uh, which is the fertilizer or in the ongoing growth cultivation of the crop itself so spraying the crop so that uh, pests stay away Um, that's basically all chemical right now, organic, uh, again, ranges from the fertilizer to the way you grow it, to the soil that you're using, whether the soil um, has shown traces of chemicals in the past. So there's, there's a whole range of, of what it is. Um, and then you have the certified. And certified is uh, because you've applied to the Balearic Association of Eco- ecological ecological which is organic producers um that do all the relevant tests and come and, and check out your farm twice a year to make sure that you don't have any input that is chemical um the reality is that we cannot uh, prevent acid rain or anything that's in the air so there's always a level of 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 toxins shall we say generally in food so i would always recommend to um wash your your produce properly maybe using a bit of bicarb or vinegar um, so that you're you know at least you're not putting toxins limiting shall we say the toxins that go into your into your body
1: so when they say don't panic it's organic that basically means it hasn't got any pesticides in it so it's basically a clean food in comparison to yeah something that's been treated quite heavily heavily with chemicals which i mean no one you know particularly as you said right now no one wants to be putting chemicals in their body in their in their food supply
0: yeah and and it's basically it's it's mainly used by the um, the professional farmers who who are relying on that income for a living. Uh, so for them, it's a, it's a big thing that they have products that because they're also they're not only fighting pests and um, and diseases, but they're also fighting the climate. Now, very interestingly, if you um, if you watch actually this um, documentary that came out recently, "Kiss the Ground," it actually talks about how if you take care of the soil if you nourish the soil in the right way by growing by by letting crops grow uh, naturally and by having animals rotating on the land um you'll find that the soil will be much more productive and therefore you need you don't need the chemicals actually to um, for for the crops to grow, and also for pests to be kept away, because then you you get the, the whole ecosystem back into into process. This is the issue that we have: that we've basically um, worn, we've used the soil or abused the soil to the extent that now it cannot be productive without the chemicals. We're lucky that in Ibiza this hasn't, hasn't really happened because um, chemicals were only introduced here recently, let's say in the last decade, you know, not, not too long ago. So we can, we can easily recover and recuperate that soil and all the beneficial minerals that, that come with the soil.
1: I mean, yeah, I think that's definitely one step. But you say when we've been abusing the soil. I mean, how have we been abusing the soil prior to the state it's in now? I mean, I've seen this red earth, which seems to be almost everywhere, and it doesn't look, or I've actually heard that it's not very arable, it's not very fertile, it's not great for growing anything much. Is that true? No. <laughs> I mean Thank you God.
0: See, you can see from I mean just by visiting markets, you can see the, the range of vegetables and fruits that we can get from this from this land. So it's um, yeah, it's a matter of farming practices. And I think we have more and more conscious farmers these days, uh, who understand regenerative practices. And that's, that's the way forward, really regenerating the land. With when, if, if you look around, we have very little in terms of cattle and livestock. This is what we need to bring back to help the land, um, because this is this is the ecosystem. We, we've kind of stripped off and gone into monoculture, um, and that doesn't help. The land needs the variety of animals and bees and, and insects and, and flowers and trees. You need the whole um, range of, uh, of life. Mm.
1: Tell us, I mean, you know, I was reading that bees are the kind of guardians and protectors of the, of, you know, food productivity. And you've got like a little project going on within Ibiza Produce to actually create our own little bee culture and experiment. Tell us a bit about that before we move on more to the farming and the zero kilometer stuff, because I find that also really interesting.
0: Yeah, I think we have quite a few uh, beehive enthusiasts on the island, which is really nice. Um, so we... At the moment, working on a pilot project at uh, Can Moreno, which is a farm run by Rosalina. Um, she has been cultivating crops now for the last five years. And in the summer of 2019, she had made. She noticed a major issue with uh, the vegetables that weren't quite right. They weren't quite uh, maturing in the right way and growing the right way. Um, and on investigation, she realized that it's the lack of pollination from the bees. In the summer on this island, we have very little in terms of flowers. The bees need those in order to then pollinate the uh, the product, the produce, the actual fresh produce. So the idea is we together with um, with various uh, with a fair bit of research that has been done by the. The bee the bee keepers. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> we like we've lost the man doing laps of the fountain, but we have got a sneezing. <laughs> Human in the same.
0: We are in a the, the environment is alive around us, right? It's
1: thriving heavily. It's thriving.
0: <laughs> so so the idea is to uh, we've identified a number of shrubs that flower in uh, in the summer in the climate of, of Ibiza, and we've uh, we've sponsored the cultivation of these shrubs, the planting of these shrubs over the last of this past few months over the summer, and these will grow over three year period to provide the bees with enough uh, food should we say so that then they are happy and they can they can pollinate the the produce which is what's important.
1: Sorry explain this pollinate the produce what does that actually mean because I don't really know yeah I mean I've got a vague idea of what bees do but I mean that doesn't make any sense to me.
0: (laughs) Well I'm not a bee specialist but basically (laughs) the bee goes from flower to flower and and it's it's enriching and, and giving life to that plant. And this is why. This is why the whole point of that we need bees, um, and and they need they need water. They need flowers, and, and this is all they need to be happy. And, but we've stripped the land of that, and this is why it's so important to bring that back.
1: So, what do they do to vegetables? You said you noticed that the vegetables were not thriving in the same way they normally do because there wasn't enough bees. So, what what do they? What do you think they do? Do they do the same thing to vegetables?
0: To the plant, to the flower of the vegetable. If you notice when, when a plant comes up, right, you, so you have a flower that comes up and then the vegetable. Most of the time the flower comes up and then the vegetable comes up from that flower. So that flower needs to be pollinated uh, by the bees. The bee is bringing nutrients to, to the plant and that goes through to the vegetable. And then you now see get the it. shape and color of the vegetable and you notice, okay, this is growing in in the right way or it's not or, you know, it's not the right colour. Say it's yellow, right? This year we had a big problem with cucumbers and the whole melon family on the island um, because, yeah, this is one of the factors, the fact that we don't have enough bees.
1: They did seem a bit more expensive, the melons this year, I have to say. This summer I was like, whoa, I normally eat nothing but melon in the summer but I did again find myself a bit reluctant to pay extra but, you know, again, it's just, you know, there's just a, a constant... Struggle, I think, with the with the kind of financial side of of eating these amazing things that come from the farms, and of course, you know, like most people on this island, have the best of intentions. And if it wasn't, you know, such a situation going on right now, maybe you know, I have and do still continue to support as many local places. Um, as I can and I do. But I'm more interested in the fact that, you know, I think your project, well, I know the Ibiza, Ibiza Preservation has been going for 10 years or more, and you guys obviously were born from, you know, their observations about a serious lack of of various projects being um, cultivated in Ibiza. But w- why, you know, back then, sort of maybe in 2011, when some of the first projects were born, why do you think farming took such a, a nosedive on, on Ibiza and Formentera? Well,
0: <laughs> the, as a farmer you're basically fighting against a number of uh of factors including climate, including price as you said, you know, because it's it's more it's it's cheaper to buy mainland produce. Um, the inconsistency and un- unreliability of uh the market. So it's, it's hard. It's hard. You have to wake up early. You don't know what's going to happen. This year we had, we are talking about the melons, we had uh, major dew issues, mild dew issues that have impacted the plants, the lack of bees, all of these factors that, that the farmer is fighting against in order to make his product uh, of a good quality, right, and a consistent quantity also. Um
1: I'm just yeah but I just saw some I was reading this morning before I came as well about you know a lot of those farms are, are, are derelict you know and there seems to be a real resurgence going on which is incredibly exciting and I also want to hear more about that but I was just wondering like what it was you know what it what it was that you know, encouraged, I suppose, a lot of these farmers to kind of just walk away from land that's, I don't know, been inherited by them, I would imagine predominantly handed down through the years of family, you know, inheritance. But, you know, it seems like a lot of people just gave up and threw in the town. Now, I don't bloody blame them. It looks like incredibly hard work. I wouldn't want to do it. But if it's in your blood, if it's, you know, the most satisfying job in the world you know what it what was it, what was it back then that just basically drove so many people away from doing that career and i as as hats off to the people that do do it like the likes of marina etc wow what an inspiration but i'm intrigued yeah i think it's
0: um, it's a reflection of today's life we want everything quick and easy as opposed to the slow life and a farm is all about the the long term it's a slow life But what happened was people were looking at quick and easy money made through the hospitality industry. So what you found then is that... um most of the younger generation in, back in the 80s, 90s decided to go into hospitality, whether it was um, in terms of working in the hospitality industry or making money from the hospital, from, from tourism, as in renting out land and buildings. And it was quick and easy money. And, and that you could see that happening over a number of years, a couple of decades. Um, but it's a choice between quick and easy money... Or do you longer term um, survival of the island and, and the beauty and the landscape of this island? Tur- tourists come here because of the beauty of the island. But if we don't have the beauty, of, in the long term we, we let it go to ruin and, and just have pine forest all over, then will the tourists keep coming? So it's it's a cycle and it's all connected. And we have to think about that.
1: Um I'm just going to butt in there because I just think that one of the primary things that keeps people coming back to Ibiza, particularly in a year like this one where there isn't the usual traffic of a certain type of tourism that we shan't even name. And I think, you know, one of the primary things that a lot of people that I love that come here to visit me love going out for dinner. You know, the dining scene, the gastronomy scene here is massive it is one of the primary things that's a, a pastime other than obviously sailing and all the water sports and beautiful things there are out to do here other than the usual but you think you know surely that is um there's so many restaurants that do obviously use the farm to table movement as their primary kind of selling point and i think it, no, you're laughing is that true tell me i'm very cynical about this <laughs> um
0: the amount of restaurants that use local fresh produce you can count on your two hands. Name some. No.
1: <laughs> no, but the ones that do, you can promote them. Who? Who does? Tell us.
0: Um, I think you've caught me off guard here. Uh, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to mention some over some others. But I think. Yes, it is reflected in the price. Again, it comes back to price um, because you have to. We have to work with what's available, and you have to be flexible. So, so I think it really comes down to the chef and his ethical values. Does he does he want to give you the very best produce at at a price that's okay? You know, that makes sense to him and to you, or is the chef just? You know wanting to uh, create some fancy looking dishes, uh, so he needs the perfect looking tomato and the perfect looking cucumber or whatever, um, and therefore buys produce from overseas because he can dictate the shape and color and size and all that mm-hmm. so yes we we do have <laughs> a lot of restaurants on the island but i would what I would say to people is when you eat out, just feel the food, taste it see is is it giving you the do you feel the love in that food? Because I, I personally think that there is a difference between eating something that's just been um, harvested a, a day or two beforehand um, and something that's travelled, been in refrigerated vehicles and, okay, has been transformed to look like something fancy, but does it taste the same? Does it give you the same nutrients and the same feeling?
1: So where's your favourite restaurant then? <laughs> Come on, carry on. <laughs> give us, get, Throw us a bone here. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a
0: chef. So my, re- my, my own food is the best for me, of course. <laughs> but no, there are a couple of really nice restaurants on the island. Um, and there are chefs who are really uh, working hard to use uh, local. Uh, one restaurant that I can definitely mention is Esventai in San Antonio. They, they are Ipitsenko's true and true, It's a family business. They have their own farm. S,
1: spell it for us. S-Ven Ventai. yes. So, so it's E-S. not a Thai restaurant.
0: No, it's E S, <laughs> and then it's V E N T A L L. I believe it means in, in Ibicenco means a fan. Um, and uh, Jose Miguel, who is the chef there, he is he's Ibicenco um, trained trained overseas, in, in terms of turning, B- basically his food is Ibicenco, but with a twist. Really nice food using local product, and I, I think hats off to him you know with their own with their own farm. Um, he also participates in the market, so that's the real farm to table to me
1: When is this market <laughs>
0: The market is every Friday from nine a m till uh, two p m mm-hmm. in- if you got a job, you can't guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can <laughs> you can tell your you can tell your buzz i'll end. send my uh, I'll
1: send my maid. <laughs>
0: There is also, obviously, the Parada market on, on Saturdays. And then we have three or well, four fixed markets, shall we say, which are daily. The S-mercat in Santa Eulalia. Mercat now, which is the largest one in Ibiza town. Then you have the Mercat Payes, which is made from four farmers, really cute little uh, fa- uh, farmer's market, which is uh, in the center of, of Ibiza town, the, the new town. Then we have the little one, which is called the Mercat Vey. The old market which is in the piazza before you go up to the to Daltvela, the outside the walls of Ibiza. Mm. So there is choice and, and the other thing is there are a couple of farms that do delivery, so you can actually order online. Going back to the point about price, I think buying direct from the farmer definitely brings down the price. Hence why we created this map that shows different farms that you can actually buy direct from them
1: you said you saw a resurgence during covid of of people enjoying the fruits of uh, the farmers labors here in Ibiza during that period was that during lockdown
0: yes so as soon as as lockdown kicked in um, we obviously saw people um, overbuying (laughs) because of fear that set in (laughs) Uh, but actually uh, we had farms that saw over 600 percent increase in their demand uh, which is amazing um See, the, we have, There's a cooperative called Decofacius, which is made up of uh, 14 organic farms. They, they saw, I think, about 200% increase in their, the demand for their weekly boxes, where people come and collect their, their box. Wow.
1: Um,
0: and then you had some other farms that do delivery. And of course, during COVID, delivery was a big thing. We also worked with a local company, a delivery company called Green Delivery, uh, whereby they set up an online supermarket with both products from the island and and from outside the island. But we worked closely with a number of farmers to to have that product available to locals so they could buy local fresh produce. I think uh, it made us this whole time made us reflect i guess time at home made us reflect about what what it is that our body needs in order to fight this virus right um and i think we became aware that yes food real food natural real food without any preservatives is what our body needs in order to be stronger and have a strong immune system um and the best nutrients are come from something that's just been freshly picked for sure um Unfortunately, I think over the summer months we've we've kind of lost touch with that a bit, so we've seen demand dip a little bit. Uh, however, it's stayed ahead of previous years, which is very promising. And I think going into winter, as you said, a lot of people are are heading to food banks, which is obviously symptomatic of what's what's happened in terms
1: of income this year. Can you tell me how bad? I mean, obviously, food for Ibiza is one of your other projects and spin-offs from the Ibiza Preservation. And obviously that has a small umbrella angle within Ibiza produce. But do you know much about what's going on there? Because I heard that... The queue down there was like a hundred people deep the other week for the food that they are giving away to families. Is that something you have much knowledge of, or?
0: Okay, so food for visa is separate. There's nothing to do with the visa preservation. It's a um, it's a separate um, initiative that I started about four years ago, and they had about I think 160 families uh, on their books. I mean regularly. So this was before before COVID, um, but since then, um, yes, we have we have seen that all the organisations. Involved with uh, with helping families, so be it Caritas, Red Cross, food for Ibiza, um, doctors. There's a, a doctors' association, and the uh, the chap who opened a a shop or distribution point, shall we say, in Ibiza town called Cristobal, um, have seen demand. Like, it's been very high. So we're talking about. Hundreds of families on the island that are uh, buying, uh, well, buying, sorry, th- obtaining their food uh, weekly uh, for free. Um, we have worked with uh, the, the local farms, um, the larger farmers on the island are making contributions uh, weekly to these organizations. Um, but of course, even the farmers need to live, so we need to find that balance.
1: I think it's, yeah. Never has there been a time where it's just, yeah, it's just very, very sad to to kind of hear about that. But it just doesn't surprise me. I mean, you look at the average wage on this island and kind of, you know, the people that actually live here that work and you know they're not they haven't got their own businesses or they're you know actually really genuinely doing the hospitality jobs as you've explained and you know we really are when you look at the cost of living here and just the cost of eating you know as you said if you really wanted to eat the kind of food that this island has to offer and that is your your story i think it's it's very hard to to, to you know to be able to navigate that and make that existence possible
0: mm. oh for sure but the reality is that you can live well on this island um there are, there, you know, just just by going to the farms, um, and it's a choice we make every time we spend our hard-earned cash. Um, you can spend it on mobile phones, technology, fancy handbags, whatever it is. But w- what is a priority to you? At the end of the day, is your is your health a priority? Because if you invest in, in in good natural food, then you're guaranteed good health. So, so I think this it's it's all about rethinking our values, our basic core values, and what is important. I mean, what we've seen also is, I think, or what I've observed at least, is people engaging in uh, outdoor sports, physical activity. Um, it's more obvious that people are really just focusing on you know let's be healthy let's let's enjoy life um, without the unnecessary shall we say uh, indulgence in uh, in alcohol and other substances and, and and just yeah just enjoying life and, and being with nature
1: a hundred percent and I know that my food bill here in Ibiza is by far, my primary outgoing on this on this wonderful island. I mean, I, everything I spend is on food and eating out and enjoying, you know, what this island has to offer. But before we run out of time, I really want to ask you about the um, rural women's day that we had earlier on this month. I have to admit, I have a massive girl crush on uh, the one and only Abitha Farmer, who was a woman called Marina. I met her once, like eighteen months ago, and I thought she'd left the island. And then I discovered quite recently that she's working with you guys again. And um, yeah, I'm just you know, I love this idea that there's been a real resurgence in farming and it's predominantly you know women that are kind of taking over and i read the article that you wrote on the blog pages of uh, the project it's a beautiful story tell us more
0: yeah i think um it's so beautiful to see that the the younger generation has come back uh, in terms of farming the the women that we have on this island are really hard workers Uh, most of them are part-time farmers so they're basically juggling a job with running their farm plus distribution and sales of the product. So it's, uh, you know, determined women, uh, really beautiful women. And I thought that for, for Women's Day, for Rural Women's Day, we, uh, we needed to highlight these women and thank them for all the work that they do. We have the women who are running the, um, APAF, which means, which is the association for eco-farmers. It's run, it's, it's managed by a woman. Uh, facious which is the commercial arm, if you like, that sells the, the produce is run by a woman. Um, and, uh, we have the Association de Países de San Jose, which, uh, was formed last year by four women. Um, so there is more and more active women in the industry who are not only farming, but they are actually um, making their voice heard and helping to make things happen on the island. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned Marina. she uh, she grew up on a farm on the mainland and, and came here to further her knowledge and, and her practice. Um, and we have a few cases who of, of women who come from a non-farming background who have... Uh, felt that the land needs them, so they've trained, um, you know, in permaculture or, or regenerative agriculture, in terms of what they can do to help this land go forward. Then we have people like Fina, who has the beautiful Brete's goat cheese. Uh, her and Pilar have sixty goats, uh, which they milk daily, <laughs> and produces amazing, amazing goat cheese. She also, Fina also has a farm. Uh, where she grows a number of crops and she has also recovered
1: uh, the local grain shesha on her farm. There was a real project with the local seeds and grains as well, which was actually, that's exactly what I met Marina because she, I interviewed her with... Um Love food Beetha, lady called yeah, Tess, yes. and um, yeah, she was very, very, very passionate about those grains, yeah
0: yeah, yeah, no, I think I think it's so important uh, heritage seeds are are really key uh, because what's happening worldwide is that we're losing the authentic seeds because of GMO and all that,
1: so but why yeah. do you think women you know are kind of like basically taking yeah. over this seed in such a, a powerful way? I think we are we are caretakers
0: uh, women with, within us are we are born to take care of children, right? And in this case, our child is mother Mother Earth. So we feel the need to to give love and and to take care of of what is given to us. I mean, we cannot take for granted that we are here temporarily on this earth. And we are here as guardians of this earth, and this is, I think, what what drives women. They they want to uh, to help make a difference. Um, and you see the choice between you know the the careers that women tend to go for as opposed to men. It's this, you know, we are more driven by, um, I think, sectors that that are caring and and more humanistic, shall we say, um, sectors industries than men. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm looking at things like law and all of that. You know, so it's like, where where do we see women? And I think we just have a connection to nature that is within us, is deep within us, and, we, and this is why we're seeing it in the farms. We, there are a number of, of <laughs> young men who are obviously uh, reviving the, the farming industry here on the island, but I think yeah, the women are more predominant at the moment, that's mm-hmm. for sure
1: that 's just a really interesting thing, and well, it interests me anyway and I, you know If you said the word farmer to me, I just have this you know this vision in my mind, which is awful of this you know old man hunched over his crops and you know kind of doing his uh, his harvesting processes or on his tractor or whatever he's doing uh, it, but you know when you when i go on these morning hikes which i do all the time i just see a lot of women like older women particularly wandering around tending to the vegetables and the the trees and you know whatever pottering around with well, picking stuff actually predominantly is what I see the old, older ladies do. It looks like really hard work, but that, that really is just beautiful that there's a lot of younger women. You know, why did Marina come back? Where did she go? Obviously, I'm just obsessed. <laughs> I admit it.
0: <laughs> she, needed, she, uh, she went to France to learn about viticulture. Um, so she was there in, in France working on a number of different farms to learn about the process of viticulture. Um, her on on her father's land, she, they also have uh, vines and olives, and therefore it's it's rounding her education, if you like. And I think we all need that. We all need to to you know to learn new things and to supplement our knowledge. And there's always uh, other people to learn from, right? Going back to the women, you said you mentioned the older women. I think. When, when I mean research shows that women have always been in agriculture they have always been in farming is that they haven't been highlighted and, and this is why now it's the time for us to shine um, you mentioned tractors and all of that but um, really permaculture doesn't use machinery so actually for a woman yes it is hard work, it is tough work for sure However, you don't need necessarily to hand the big machinery. I love to see a woman on a tractor. I think that's so cool. <laughs> However, yeah, you can do you can do without heavy machinery. You can still um, you don't need to till the land. Of course, there's this whole uh, argument now about tilling and no tilling and, and how to regenerate the soil. Um, but I think women have it in them. We can we can do we can do it all. Um, you know, it's not a bit. It's not about strength, or it's. It's probably more about uh, mental strength as opposed
1: to physical strength.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, there's no denying that you know women, you know, through time have done like the most impossible jobs, and you know, just raising kids, for example, and actually giving birth to them. Let's let's not, let's not get on our uh, our high horse, or we we'll could be here for another hour. <laughs>
0: at least (laughs) yeah no look I think I think in society uh, we need a balance we need we need both the feminine and the the masculine Um, I mean it's a reflection of what goes on in each and every one of us we have our masculine side and our feminine side so it's a balance and I think we can all work together harmoniously
1: (laughs) for sure but I just really love the fact that you actually you know celebrated that properly on the 15th of October and gave it a name and wrote an article and it was like yeah actually if that really is a thing that's happening happening here I mean obviously if everyone kind of walked away because it was too much like hard work about 10 years ago or more like it's great that it's happening again and there is a real focus on that at the moment because you know two percent is really not is not good enough so if anyone is listening to this and hopefully they feel a little bit more inspired including myself now to actually make the effort and get myself down to my closest farm which I think is terra actually I'm gonna go down there and um yeah see what's going on
0: Yes, and you have a bell across the road from Teramasia as well. Um, then we have Canzol, which is very close to Cesescoles on, on the San Juan road. So there's a there's a whole a whole range of farms, and there's more and more coming up every day. So when we produced this map uh, a year ago, um, we already had 23 farms organic, just the organic farms on this map. And since then, I'm sure there are at least another 10 that have appeared, because. Um, i think there's a resurgence in general of people wanting to go back to the land we are also working at the moment on creating a community of um of people who who live here and who have moved here also um in terms of uh investing in farming and and starting new projects around land regenerating the land um bee, you know having bees on the land beehives and and new practices and how to how to share that knowledge and and the tools between each other between these various Farmers and new farmers, shall we say? Um, and there's a there is a there is a lot of interest, which is which is really great. So I would invite anyone who's interested in this sector, um, or has land at home and wants to wants to cultivate or wants to find a way to, to make it productive. Feel free to get in touch with us, and I'm sure we can hook you up with with the right people.
1: Yeah, that sounds epic. I mean, yeah, literally the only farmer I knew sort of giving a few tips about how to grow, home, you know, from home was Andy at La Granja. And I think he's actually left now. I, I spoke to his boyfriend the other day. So, you know, another great farmer leaves the island. So it'd be great to have more information on, you know, how to get involved and how to grow your own and um, where our local farms are. I'm a, the Gabriella, I want to call you Marina There, Quite scared about that. <laughs> well,
0: we are good friends. So, yeah, and and it's, it's often you see us together. So, yeah, okay.
1: It's just, yeah, same kind of, uh, same interests, same passions and obviously, you know, a deep, deep love for the island of Ibiza and, uh, and all that we can grow here. So thank you so much for joining us on today's, t- on today's show. <laughs> thank you so much.
0: And just one thing, um, when you're making your food choices, just think, what's most important to me, my money or my wealth? Uh, my wealth or my health?
1: <laughs> health is wealth, so
0: both. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for having me. the